So as I promised you last week, um, this week we're going to invite our people that went to New Room to come up and share a little bit about their experience. Um, I think they will do a better job of explaining it in a way where you'll listen than when I would, because I've learned when the preacher says something, people expect the preacher to say that. But when somebody else says the exact same thing, people always hear it better. Um, you know, I don't know why that is. Um, I know exactly why it is. But anyways, I want to invite uh, those who want to share to come up now and uh, have their time. Good morning. Um, Laura told me to keep this short, so I crammed a five-minute presentation into 20, so make her happy. But um, seriously, we the experience of going down here uh, to these to these new room meetings, and and a lot of you heard what Roy had to say last week, and Roy has a lot to say. But um, you know, it one thing that he said was. Reasons kept popping up for us not to go. And I thought of a thousand. And I knew. I knew what we were getting into. I knew how good it was going to be. But I still had reasons. You know, well, I need to work. I need to do this. I need to do that. And sometimes you just had to suck it up and deal with it, you know, and do what you're supposed to do. And and what you'll hear in a minute is, is um, I think the reason that I was there but uh, Roy, uh, of course, we had to be chaperoned, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure that, surpri that surprises no one. But uh, we were we were sitting with a couple, and Roy flies without a net. I'm sure that surprises everyone in here, but Roy has no fear. Uh, my biggest fear is turning someone away from the Lord. Roy. Figures they're going to get it or they're not, one of the two. So he dives in. Well, it, there were a lot of things that happened to make this come together. And Matt was there. I mean, keep an eye on us. So, But uh, the couple we were talking to, um, she, Roy kind of blew in there. And then she asked a question or he asked a question. And Roy kind of went, oh, where's my net? And Matt caught him. But we took it from there. 45 minutes later, um, after she, I mean, wept, wept about about things that were going on in her life and and things that were going on, uh, that was that was the second time that that happened. That Roy just dives in, and I wish I was Roy. I really do. In that situation, I, I wish that I had the ability to do that. I can talk to anybody, but diving into that subject is hard for me. Um, so. We had a good week. We, um, the, the worship sessions are unreal. Um, I mean, it, it, is, it, is a, it is two or three days of an intense worship, but I, I was thinking raw, raw worship, raw worship. Well, it's not raw worship. It's pure worship. And here... Holy Spirit's here. Holy Spirit's always with us, right? There, 2,200 people in a room, maybe more, uh, 500 in another room, and then scattered all over this place that we, we are. Um, the Spirit 
begins to not only, he's not just there. I think he gets riled up and he gets to going. And then you feel him. I mean, it, I mean you get chills, and, or I did. I, I got chills several times. That, and Roy and I are sitting in the back because I like to watch people and I like to see them. And, and, and people are, I mean, singing their hearts out like this. Or come Holy Spirit. Unbelievable, folks. You've got to, you, it's one of those things that you really have to see. I had a, and, and so Asbury, uh, we spoke on there, they spoke on Asbury. So most of y'all know what went on at Asbury, that all the people showed up. I had no idea. Miles of people lined up, three, four wide, trying to get in this chapel. They showed us pictures inside the chapel. Um, students were throwing their phones in a pile and getting rid of that and getting rid of that distraction, showing their vapes or throwing their vapes in a pile to get away from that. Pure worship. I had a dream last night, and this is kind of crazy. But in the dream, it was a really long line and it was to get into our church. It wasn't this. It wasn't this building, but it was to get in where we were. Um, and I remember thinking that I want to go home. I mean, you know, heck with this. This is too crowded. I want to go to the house. Let's go eat. Then I thought, you know, I'm supposed to speak this morning, so I had to go. So I guess it was getting into here, but but to. To finish up, the, the whole point of that is people want Christ in their life. People want that relief, that feeling, that, that just pleasure and joy that you get from him. And you see it at Asbury. You see it um, movies, Christian movies that come out, how they're at the top of the charts, and they're a low-budget film. I mean, it's, it's not full, but people want this. We have to be more aggressive outside of here because they're not coming here. We got to go find them. Just like Roy, we got to be more like Roy. And it doesn't matter where you are, you've got to dive in and you've got to, you've got to get after it. And I'm, I'm saying you, but I'm probably talking to me more than I am anyone in here because I'm the worst. And I did, Roy wrote down, and this is what I'm going to end with, Laura. Uh, Cornania. Cornania. The Christian Fellowship or Body of Believers. And two, this is from Merriman Webster. Intimate spiritual communion and participative sharing and a common religious commitment and spiritual communion. Cononia of disciples with each other and their Lord. It was a true statement. I mean, that was, I, I, of course, I had to Google it while we were sitting in there to find out what it was. But um, if you have the chance to go, go. It is worth, you, 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 I, can't, I can't explain how much it, it will be worth to you spiritually. Thank you. Jeremy, you're up.
you know, this room looks a lot different from up here than it does from back there. And there's nobody to play with the volume, so I'm going to have to get close and far and close and far. Um, this is the second year that I've gone to New Room, and like Joey said, it was an experience. And I would encourage all of you to go if you have the opportunity. Um, instead of talking about what this you know, meant to me personally, it, something hit me, and it, it hit me so hard. Matt was sitting next to me and turned around and looked at me with a big smile on his face. And I was like, okay, well, if he felt it too, I guess something was there. Um, first of all, we're at the, discussing the Asbury outpouring. There's a panelist up there, 10 people. And these are the guys that write the books. These are the guys that do the podcasts. These are, you know, these are the guys that should understand something. And every one of them up there said, we have no idea what happened. We don't know, we can't recreate it. We can't analyze it. We have no idea what happened. And this panelist of people with all these letters after their name, there's probably, probably 10 PhDs sitting up there, the best they could come up with was, we better be paying attention for what comes next. That was the best they could come up with. And later, the next speaker um, stressed two verses from Matthew. Uh, it's where Jesus is telling the uh, parable of the wineskins. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving a bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both will be preserved. Now, I'm sure you all are familiar with the fact that grain and wine are continually used in the Bible as symbols of abundance. And what hit me was when this guy said... If we're waiting on something to change, why are we standing around with old wineskins? If we want abundance, we should be the kind of people that have the new wineskins ready to go. Because such would be our faith that the abundance will arrive. Obviously, the parallels for where we're at as a church are fairly obvious. I look forward to building new wineskins. Thanks. In case I get weak up here, I don't think I'll hold me. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Good morning, church. I'm so happy to be here with y'all, and I'm so happy to talk about New Room. It was all that that we've heard, and I was all this the whole time, wore out, like I kept, so those of you who know me know how much I love the Bible. I mean, it's my, it's my thing. It is my everything, and so I see the Bible everywhere, and so at New Room, I saw the Bible so much. I mean, not the, the Bible. I did see the Bible. Everybody had Bibles. A lot of people had Bibles. But I mean, I saw what the Bible tells us everywhere. And so the worship was amazing, and it was pure. Joey, you're right. It was pure. It was authentic. It was unleashed. And I loved every bit of that. 
and it was exhausting at the same time. But at New Room, what began to happen for me, and I'm hanging on to it, I'm hanging on to it very, very tightly. And you played the song, which was perfect. And the lyrics go something like, the things of earth grow strangely dim, okay? And the things of earth became strangely dim for me. And I, so dim that I will not care one whit when the things of earth completely disappear. But they haven't yet. And so until they do, I have work that I have to do. We have work that we have to do. We need to desperately, constantly, without ceasing, until we are exhausted, proclaim him. We have to, and I heard everyone at New Room say this in just a different way, and when I teach, I say this to my students all the time, I'm gonna say this to you in another way to help them get it. I'm gonna say this to you in another way. We have all said the same thing, and Matt's been saying the same thing for a long time. I'm just gonna say it a different way maybe, right? We must proclaim him. We must find whatever strategy is our strategy to proclaim his message, to proclaim his word, to proclaim his goodness. Our strategies will look different. Matt's going to teach about that when we go into, into Paul's letter to the Rome, chapter 12. We're going to see some of that. But my strategy, I got my best strategy, my go-to strategy to proclaim him is this book. And I stay there as much as possible. And so Matt said it was okay if I talked, if I used his book. <laughs> if, if I just went ahead and picked up where we left off in Paul's letter to the church in Rome chapter 10. That's what he was talking about, Matt, the last time we were here. So if you have your Bible with you, I'm going to teach not preach, okay? Hmm. If you, have, if you have your Bible with you, I see my Sunday school class getting them out. Good, get them out, young people. Can my Sunday school class stand up? Even if you were not here this Sunday, can my Sunday school class stand up, please? Good. I want y'all to look at these warriors, okay? These amazing young people and Kat who comes on Sunday to help me. Thank you so much, Kat. These amazing young people and this amazing old woman show up at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning to go deep into this book. They bring their books, they pull out their phones, we hand them a book, whatever, we hand them a sheet, whatever. And we don't just play church in this Sunday school class. We are working, they are working. Well, so they, sh so let me back up a little bit. So they show up to eat a bunch of donuts and then get into the word. So. Father, we're thankful for the hands that, that bring the donuts and make the coffee, because that's good. This place is so joyful on Sunday mornings. That space is so joyful in there with those young people on Sunday mornings. I cannot tell you the blessing. It is not a job. It is not an inconvenience. It is not work for me to do this. I am blessed to get to do that. I am blessed. They are so smart. Any of you old people that don't have a place to go at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, join us in here because they are way smarter than we are. 
You will learn something, I guarantee you. Thank you, guys. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. So get your books out. We're going, to, we're going to Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 10. And we are going to start with, um, I think, verse 8. Let's start with verse 8. Now, I hear Kat's voice saying to me right now, don't you forget to pray. Because if you don't pray, then when we open the book, it's, it's chaotic. So let's, so let's please bow our hearts. Let's bow our hearts and let's just, let's just give him thanks for his word. Father God, we thank you. Mm. We thank you for who you are. That is enough. But we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you for sending us your son, Jesus, to show us the glory of you, to walk with us, to teach us his creation. He joined so that we could see your glory. Oh, and then he suffered and died for us so that we could be with you and with him. We are beyond humbled and, and unraveled by this reality. Thank you. We ask for the Holy Spirit to fill this space. He's already here, but let us feel his presence. I particularly need his presence. This place is not beautiful, this building, but boy, it is joyful. <laughs> so surely, surely his presence must be here. We give you thanks and we lift all of this up in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read it all because it's nice to hear it all at once. And then, then I'll come back and unpack just a little bit of it, okay? If you can tolerate me. Remember what Paul's doing. He's writing to a church in Rome, a good church, good people. He writes kind of harsh sometimes. I mean, he's really direct in his writing. But, but this is a good church, and they're kind of struggling over being righteous. They want to be righteous. They're us. They're the believers. They're not bad. They're, he's going to kind of call them out, but they are working really hard to do good work and to do his work, okay? But they got a little confusion. They're confused. Um, they're, they're a little bit uncertain about this righteousness piece and what exactly they need to do to make sure they are righteous. So we're going to see Paul contrast, and he does this a lot. We're going to see him contrast righteousness by the law and righteousness through the grace of Jesus Christ and our faith in that grace. So that's where we are is at that contrast, okay? You're going to lose by the law, Paul's kind of saying. If you want to be judged against the law, that's not going to be a good formula for you all, right? But if you want to be judged under my grace, mm. and so that's where we are. Verse 8, i got to be careful or I'll get off and it won't be good. So, in fact, it says, follow me if you want. We're in Romans chapter 10, verse 8. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. We could replace that message with word or Jesus, whatever makes you feel comfortable. The message, the word, Jesus, is very close at hand. It is, it is on your lips and in your heart. This is some of the most beautiful text you will ever hear, ever read. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
if we do this church, we're saved, all right? Look how beautiful and simple that is, okay? For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord. We have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, oh, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. So, so Paul transitions kind of fast, and Paul tries to make as many points as he can in a concise space, okay? But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, he's pulling out the big guns, he's going to pull out these prophets because they know what Isaiah said. The Jews in this crowd, the Jews at this church, know what Isaiah said. So Paul's reminding them, this isn't my message. This came long before me. It is my message, but this came long before me. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed your message, our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Some concern. Maybe we didn't get it to them. They have. They have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who were not even a nation. I will, I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles for the record, I'm sure we know, but let us remind ourselves, that's us. We're the nation being used, okay? And we kind of get to this point. Let me just go and finish this because I'm gonna, I, I feel myself getting distracted. <laughs> I feel myself, Michelle. I feel, you know me. And later Isaiah said, he spoke boldly for God saying, I was, this, this is more about us. I was found by people who were not looking for me. We weren't. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. We were so confused and lost and thought we had it figured out with a bunch of other gods, but he came to us. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. Now you get to this point and you think, well, man, God's really mad. Paul's telling God to tell Israel he's really mad at him and and these Gentiles are doing pretty good work, and he's kind of done with Israel. Wrong, no, wrong. So Matt's going to fix that in chapter 11. So if you go ahead and read chapter 11 for next week, you'll see Paul's going to address that directly, okay? So, but we're in here a lot, and it's, and, 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 and it's important. So I want to take us back to verse 8, and we're going to unpack just a little bit right here, okay? So, so the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart read this slowly the bible is beautiful but you have to look for 
surprises. Here's a nice little surprise. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. Every time I say you or your, Paul loves to use this writing strategy. I'm sure he spoke it as well. You, your, your, your. How, 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 how. We're going to see that in a minute, won't we, Sunday school class. Wherever I see you and your, you know what I hear? I read me, my. So when you hear me say you, your, you think me, my, okay? Because this is personal. This is a very personal address to every believer that reads it or hears it. And we are a houseful of believers. This is directly to us. This was directly to that church. Yes, this is directly to us. Thank God he speaks directly to us. But now this is kind of a tough, I'm speaking to y'all, okay? So, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, my heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I will be saved. For, if it, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with my mouth that I am saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Look at this. So here's the thing. This is very personal, okay? We can't do this for somebody else. And I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'm working with two young women on the campus of Arkansas State University. They don't really know I'm working with them. <laughs> I mean, I work with them. But they don't know I'm really what I'm working with, right? <laughs> so, so, so. Roy talked about it. Joey talked about it. We heard Jer Jeremy talk about it. We have got to look for open doors. They are everywhere, but we got to make sure we don't miss them. So we've got to be prepared. So I'm working with these two young women, beautiful young women. One is a young professor. One is an advanced student. Neither one of them know Jesus, but they don't like him, even though they don't know him. They don't like him, but they know I do because I do proclaim that. I do proclaim that, and I do talk about the Bible a lot. And yes, I will probably get fired from Arkansas State University because of that one day. They will probably allow me to early retire. I'm already planning on that because increasingly, the older I get, the more difficult it is for me not to talk about Jesus because I'm running out of time. And I have been told, you, your heart holds him. If your heart holds him, we must proclaim him. And Joe Owens is right. That might look really weird. We don't know what that might look like. We might end up in a place where we don't think we belong, but that's if the Spirit puts you there, we belong there, and we're there for a reason. So I am on A-State's campus just proclaiming him every chance I get, okay? So these two young women who don't like Jesus really do. They just don't know it. They were talking to me about him. And it, this is so, this was just this past week because I'm trying to catch up from New Room and I'm behind and, and I don't have time for a lot of stuff. And they show up in my office and I'm trying to get ready for a class and they say, hey, KB, have you got some time? And I'm like, oh, 
And I'm like, yeah, but I'm really busy. I'm behind. It's about Jesus. Oh, come on in. Come in, sit down. How much time do you need? So, so, and they walked me through this. They did not know what I'd been sitting on that week, and I've been sitting on this scripture. And they said, okay, so can we get this straight? So you really love Jesus more than anything, and we know that because you tell us that all the time. It's weird, but you tell us that all the time. And you really love us, don't you? I do. I tell them that all the time. We think that's weird, too, and we didn't like that at first and thought we might have to go to HR over that, but then we realized it's completely innocent and you really do truly love us. I'm like, I do. I absolutely do. I wanted to say it's because of Jesus, but I didn't. I just left that, right? You crack the door, but you, you don't want to get too weird too quick. So I was like, yeah, I do love you. And they said, both of them, it's strange, but we love you, too, I think just because you love us and accept us, even though we don't like Jesus. And I'm like, okay, so we all love each other. This is good. We're, this is good. We're in a good place. Now get this. So they're, they're going to be logical. Paulinian logic is <laughs> almost. So if you love Jesus more than anything else and Jesus loves you and you love us and we love you and we know you're going to heaven, so they're concerned about heaven because you tell us there's a place. I'm like, there is. And we know you're going. Can you just take us with you? These are really intelligent women with advanced degrees, one with a very advanced degree, one working on one. Can you just take us with you? And I, I wanted to say, I, would do, I will do everything to take you with me because it was uncomfortable and I love them and I don't want them to be sad, but they're worried about not going to heaven. So I wanted to say yes, and then I'll clean this up later. But I could not. I cannot take you with me. I would love to take you with me. I know like five people right now that I would love to be able to say, I'm going to take you with me. It's okay. We can't take them with us. I'm sure everybody in this room has somebody they would love to be able to take with them. We can't. But what we can do, if he's in our heart, and this is what I said to them, I can sure show you how you can get there without me, and I'll meet you up there. We have got to, if he is, and it's not me telling you that. If he is in our hearts, and I'm assuming he's in every heart in this space, we must proclaim him because there are a bunch of hearts out there that don't have him. And heavens, if we could take him, we could, but we can't. So I said, I can work with you to show you how you can have him, and then you can get there yourself. And like, okay, okay, but we're just going to, and I gave him some stuff to read, a Gospel of John always, right? Read the Gospel of John. Read this section of the Gospel of John. We'll talk about it whenever you're ready to. They left. One of them came back. I'm busy. It's okay. Come on. Come in. Sit down. And here's what she said. So... I kind of like Buddha. I'm like, okay. Are you okay with that? And so I say a real quick prayer. Holy Spirit, I'm going to need you on this one. I'm really going to need you on this one. I'm like, I'm okay with that. So she steps in the office. I love Buddha. Are you okay with that? I'm like, Holy Spirit, like take over this vessel. Because I'm out of my... I'm out of my, 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 my comfort zone here. 
And he did. He did. It was good. It worked out. I said, yes, I'm okay if you love Buddha. Sure. Is Jesus okay if I love Buddha? <laughs> yeah. Jesus is okay. I'm thinking about you, Heather. I'm thinking about you when, I, when I'm talking to this young woman. Yes, Jesus is okay with that. Love Buddha. Sure enough. But then, then, the Holy Spirit just said with my mouth, love him all you want, but I wouldn't recommend worshiping him. And she said, why not? And I said, two things. The first is a statement. He's not a God. He's not the God. He's not our God. He's not a God. I mean, God wanted me. Mm, that's where we were. He's not a God. But importantly, can I ask you a question? I'm hurrying, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Then I asked her a question. I simply said, what has Buddha done for you? Can I ask you a question? She said, ask me. She's a little controversial. She like pushing me a little bit. I said, what has Buddha done for you? And she said, what has Jesus done for me? Joey Owens, the door went wide open. I said, oh, have you, child, have you got three minutes? She said, I do. I said, sit down. So we had to go get lunch afterwards because it was more than three minutes. It was more than three minutes. Watch for every crack in a door. And then you step in and proclaim. And if you can't find a way to proclaim, pray about it because he'll show up and show you. Chapter 12, Paul's chapter 12 letter is going to help us all figure out where do, how do we proclaim. And we're all proclaiming in one way or another. We just need to recognize when we're doing it, be real deliberate with it, and giving thanks that he told us to do so. Can we say a quick prayer, and then I'm just going to shut up. She heard my story. She heard his story. She heard the word. She said, I'll be back. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. That, yes. Everybody pray for both of these young women. Both of these young women. It is very, very interesting how we as humans will tolerate and be nice to other gods but instantly dislike Jesus. It's a strange thing. It's a strange thing. But that's kind of out there. We need to be equipped and, and armed to deal with that. This book is where you get that. This is, this is how you do that. i, I got to say a prayer and shut up. Sorry, Matt. Father God, we give you thanks. Help us to know that we are your believers. <laughs> Help us to know that because we have you in our heart, you have blessed us with the beautiful responsibility of working to usher your kingdom in. We pray it all the time, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we're the on earth part. <laughs> we're the on earth part. So help us, help us to do our part. In Jesus' beautiful name, our creator, our savior. Amen. Sorry, ma'am. Don't apologize. Thank you so much.